He's kind of like the Joe Rogan of the hospitality industry right now. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome to Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast where we discuss all things hospitality, hotels, and business. You can find us online at slicktalkthepodcast.com and on every podcast listening platform. Welcome back to Slick Talk, everybody. Today I'm joined with Scott Stanfield, a 20-plus year uh, restaurant expert and recent GM coach. Um, he has been in the industry for quite a while and worked in restaurants from all over the board. So today I want to just say thank you to Scott and welcome into the show. How are you doing today, Scott? I'm doing great today, today Will. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be on your show. My pleasure. Thank you. Um, so today... We're really talking about, um, you know, this is episode one of our three-week or three-episode series um, about, you know, just restaurant and hospitality and just kind of the the uh, food side of the business. And so for today, our interview or our episode is going to be interviewing for character, emotional intelligence, and hospitality traits. Now, Scott, um, since that you're, you know, first time on the show, let's introduce you to everybody and kind of um, get your quick background and some experience and just your, your story. Well, I started back at the house as a dishwasher. Uh, I, it was, it's really, you know, interesting, you know, because you can apply at jobs or we have people who apply with no experience. And that's why we're, we're going to talk about interviewing. Um, and I applied at like 15 different restaurants before I got hired um, as a dishwasher at age 21. And 90 days later, I was promoted through the kitchen all the way to being a front of the house man. And I'd never had waited tables or hosted or bartended or any of those things. So I was either the right place at the right time or the wrong place at the wrong time. I don't know which one, but um, I've been, that was 26, almost 26 years ago. Uh, th this May will be 26 years ago that, that, uh, that happened. Um, and uh, so, you know, I, I default to, you know, you know, checking on the kitchen and the back of the house and those things. But gosh, uh, that was a casual seafood restaurant in, in uh, Irmo, South Carolina. Um, and I've traveled to Hilton Head Island, South Carolina, St. Croix, U.S. Virgin Islands. I've worked in Salt Lake City, Utah, Park City, Utah, and Colorado. So I've been, been all over the map. <clears throat> yeah. And you worked for, you know, not just, um, not just restaurants in general, because like you said, you started a, a, you said a seafood restaurant. Yeah. Seafood restaurant, Steamer Seafood Company was the name of it. It's the name of it. They st still have a location in Kentucky, Lexington, okay. Kentucky. Yep. Okay. So not only just standalone restaurants, but you've also worked in restaurants in some major hotel chains as well. Correct. Uh, I, I was a director of restaurants for the Hilton Corporation at the Salt Lake City Center in uh, downtown Salt Lake. And I worked at a, uh, I was a director of food and beverage at a Marriott autograph collection property in Park City, Utah. Awesome. Well, that's a uh, kind of similar background. You and I both come from an autograph collection Marriott property, so that's pretty sweet. We know the the standards there are very well and very uh, high. So, um, kind of kind of cool for you though. Like you, 
you know, did your in that 90 day period, you jumped pretty far in that, that, uh, you know, chain of command. So I guess you could say you were at the right place, right time. And also, you know, being a GM coach now in the last four or five years, um, you really, you've really kind of carved your own path of success very quickly and very uh, true that you know that your, your skills and the kind of the, I guess, guideline that you've created um, is working. Yeah, it, I've basically developed a system that works on in three different pillars, um, where it's about hiring for character and having a team for great character. That's the first pillar. Training people above the expectations of our guests and our owners and, you know, you know, above the expectations. Uh, and then basically creating an ecosystem that promotes uh, collaboration um, or, or trust and where people feel safe um, that allows the organization to, to grow organically almost sometimes without even trying because of all the right things are in the right place. So um, I just had to figure that stuff out and yeah. I put it, started putting it together. And I've, you know, I've worked around, you know, or four, you know, major corporations. So I've been able to learn from them, but then also apply that to any environment I've worked in, whether it be a hospital or oil refinery or um, a four-star Marriott autograph collection. Awesome. Well, uh, really the, the three pillars that you're talking about here are going to be the coverage of our episodes. And um, for me, I just think the, the overall, like having that pillars a lot in my podcast, I've talked about, you know, creating a brick house, um, you know, creating that good foundation. And those three pillars really cover um, a lot of the foundational for a good team, for a good property, for a good restaurant, hotel, whatever it may be. Um, so for me, I've only had a small amount of, of experience in the restaurant side. And, um, you know, I've always been a hotel man myself. And then jumping into a restaurant as a manager there, that was a interesting take because, you know, kind of like you in a training period, I had to go from dishwasher to busser to um, server to uh, manager pretty much in, in a short amount of time and learning all these skills. Um, with you, what – so we're kind of talking about interviewing and what kind of character and emotional intelligence and hospitality traits are, um, you know, in the last 20 years – you've probably had to interview and process new employees and all sorts of um, kind of management role type duties for the last 20 years. So how can you tell when someone is being honest during an interview or just putting on a show for a job? Because that's one thing I've noticed that people, when they start their interview, you think, you know, you have a really good positive feel. Maybe it's just, I don't know the traits to look for, but um you feel really confident and then they end up working their first week or two and being a complete bust. So really let's dive into what those traits are, what you kind of notice, the body language, the, all the things that you, you look for as a GM. Well, the first thing I look for is congruency. And when I'm talking about congruency between the words that come out of their mouth and either, um, you know, almost like Sherlock Holmes, like the Sherlockian, like I'm trying to figure it out by, uh, paying attention to, like, for instance, um, if they say that, you know, they love, you know, to go hiking and spend time outdoors and connect with nature, but yet they're like 47 pounds overweight and, you know, pale as the, you know, the flour that the chef's using to make bread in the back, 
then that's not congruent, right? You know, with how they look, they may have the idea that they like to spend time outdoors and connect with nature and work out and do those things, but their actions aren't doing what's matching the words coming out of their mouth. So I'm paying attention to what they're saying um, and not, um, not really um, paying attention so much to their resume and getting what I call seduced by the resume. I don't want to do that. I want to um, tease out the behavioral-based patterns with them. So the another thing I look at is when I ask a difficult question, what I call my right hook questions, um, I'm looking at their micro expressions on their face. And I learned about this from the, the TV show. This is almost like Sherlock Holmes as well. Um, the, the series called lie to me. And so, um, my, yeah. my, my son and I've read, you know, bought the book and read it and paid attention to it and, and do those things. And so, um, you know, even my son said in some interviews, just observing what's going on. And he was, uh, he's just astonished at what happens is when you ask these tough questions, what information comes out on people's face, right? So I'm paying attention to these, these, uh, the micro expressions, the congruency between their words. And also like, for instance, if I ask somebody like a standard question, I don't ask this question. I ask a version of this, but it, where do you see yourself in three to five years? And they're interviewing to be a dishwasher or interviewing to be a host or server assistant. And they're like, I want to own a restaurant in the next three years. And I'm like, Oh, you're just like interviewing to be like a server assistant. You know, how are you going to get to be? And I'll ask them, how are you going to get to be a restaurant over the next three years? So I'm looking to see, if what's coming out of their mouth matches up with where the reality for what's going on with their lives. Gotcha. Well, um, yeah, the micro expression, that's a really interesting way to look at it and to go about because um, they're so quick and sometimes hard to catch. So I, I like that. I'll, I'll have to keep that on my, uh, on my tool belt for <laughs> future, future endeavors. Um, so I guess the, another thing with, with what you're, you're talking about the getting seduced by a resume, because for me, I've always been a resume builder, you know, whatever makes you look good. Cause you want obviously getting your foot in the door, but not only does it make you look good to get your foot in the door, but you have to be able to back it up. Um, do you maybe have a quick tip on how you can tell when someone's just getting their foot in the door, trying to look good or when they're actually able to do both a look good on paper, but also back it up with their, their action. Well, I promised myself a long time ago, I would, wouldn't become one of those managers that refused to hire people without experience. Like it mm -hmm. took me those 15 or 16, you know, res, you know, applications to get hired because I had no experience. Mm -hmm. Right. So, um, what, what, so the classic way of breaking down a resume would be like longevity in a particular job. Mm -hmm. Um, but as you know, I'm getting older and the workforce is getting younger they're bouncing around a little bit more than what we did or what we were trained by our parents to do. Like my dad worked at a job for 32 years. The longest I've had is six and a half years at a job. Yeah. Right. And so it's even getting shorter and shorter and shorter. And if you work in the resort area and you have people who come to you only to, or they bounce around between a summer season and a winter season, they're going to mm -hmm. have six months on their resume. So you, I try to, not discount those things as much because I want to understand the behavioral based patterns behind the person that forces them to make decisions in certain ways. Um, and so I'm hiring for character, not so much off the resume. I even gotcha. ask, I even ask a question. Um, I call it my purple cow question. And this goes to the Seth Godin book, uh, purple cow is I want somebody to tell me some remarkable, remarkable about themselves. I will say, 
um, hypothetically speaking, let's say I interview somebody who has more experience than you. Tell me why I should hire you over somebody with more experience. And because the prevailing thought is experience trumps everything else, they have an answer that, you know, but I, I don't, I'm not looking for punctuality, something bland, like punctuality. I'm a fast learner and, you know, um, you know, uh, you know, quick learner, I'll show up to work on time. You know, I'm looking for something amazing. Like I interviewed a, a lady the other day for manager position. And she said, because I'm the one that comes with heart. Hmm. I'm like, I'm almost, I got chills. I was like, you almost said you're hired. Right. Yeah. Because yeah. She, she comes with heart. I mean, that's what you want. You want your a staff of people that come to your guest and come to their fellow employees with heart more than they would come with, you know, hey, I've, I've worked at this place and this place and this place. So you need to hire me because I have all this experience. So that kind of leads into the, the second part then of emotional intelligence, because having heart, which is huge in our industry, if you don't have heart, then you're pretty much in the wrong wrong industry for sure um but do you ever feel like or have you noticed or experienced maybe um somebody that who comes with a lot of heart a lot of passion um can maybe not be as emotionally intelligent they're very um emotional roller coaster when it comes to decisions and uh, certain situations either with guests or with staff um do you notice a, a big difference or i guess because uh, you know we're talking about emotional intelligence here do you notice a difference? Do you see some emotional intelligence with people that have heart and passion for what they're doing, or is it really kind of the best? It, it, I think they can work independently of each other. Um, there, it's not what, just because somebody has great heart doesn't mean they have great emotional intelligence. You know, somebody can have a great heart for, you know, caring for animals or elderly people or children, but get emotional about it and, and get emotionally hijacked. You, you know, so, they it's, it's not a, it's not like, OK, just because somebody's compassionate, it means they have empathy or that mm -hmm. they have self-control or um, in a high stress situation. You know, some of the best, you know, players, when you look at emotional intelligence, I always think of like Michael Jordan or somebody who you wanted the ball in their hands in the closing seconds of the game to take that winning shot or field goal or try to run for the touchdown or throw that, you know, throw the pass. Right. That would be cool and calm under pressure. So you think about who's on your team that you can give the ball to, so to speak, you know, when the, the, the stress is the highest and they're not going to flinch. They're not going to sweat. They're not going to do anything. So you're just going to execute. And they have so, a good poker face is what it, you're kind of. Well, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's exactly what it is. Right. And so you want that, you want a team of people that, that have a high collective emotional intelligence across the board. Um, it goes back to, you know, your team's only as strong as the weakest link, but we always think about talent or speed or strength. Um, you know, we don't always think about, you know, in, uh, you know, where they are emotionally and how they operate under the most stressful times. And that may be somebody that has less experience than another person, but we can train them the skills to do the job, but they have a higher emotional intelligence. And then over time, your team's performance will surpass if you have what I call a whole team of high price free agents that are here because they got hired because they have the best resume, not because they have the best performance on the field. Hmm, very, that's a really good way to put it. And I actually never, I think I thought about that way, but I've never actually like heard it said the way you said it. And it was actually really clear. And I like that. And for kind of like getting, you know, we're 15 minutes into the episode, a lot of people 
you know, a lot of my listeners, they, they're used to hotels and to, um, to me talking about that side of the industry, you know, not the other side where you're providing a guest experience with a restaurant that's attached to a hotel and stuff. Um, so with emotional intelligence that you just kind of mentioned, and, you know, the title of this episode also has hospitality traits. Do you see a bridge that connects hospitality traits and emotional intelligence the way you just described? Absolutely. Absolutely. 100%. Um, I, I'm a little bit older, right? Because I'm 47, right? Because I've been doing this a long time. So yeah. back in 2001, the best movie of the year was A Beautiful Mind with Russell Crowe. Yeah. He, he played a real character, John Nash, who won the Nobel Prize in economics for creating the John Nash Equilibrium. Um, or uh, this game theory piece. And in that movie, there's a bar scene. Now, um, there, there's these girls that walk in, and he, that's just when he supposedly comes up with this theory um, uh, of you know, this Nobel Prize winning uh, theory on economics. And, and prior to this time, Adam Smith was the prevailing thought where for the best possible outcome in a capitalist environment is for everybody to do what's best for themselves or every man for themselves, right? Mm-hmm. It's what, what we would say in you know, that quote that we've hear, heard our whole lives. But yeah. at that point in the movie, he says he needs a, he's incomplete. He needs a revision. And he says for the best possible outcome in a capitalist environment, a person should do what's best for themselves and for the team or, at, or for the group, right? Mm-hmm. And so if you hire people, if you can figure out how to answer, ask questions and get the answer from people that lets you know that they will, in the heat of the moment, they will remain calm and they also will put the group or have a bend to putting the group before themselves. You will have a team of people who automatically default to giving great service, no matter how busy they are. Okay. And so for you, I guess, um, cause we know, we all know, I think for us that are in the industry. So whether uh, any of my listeners right now are new, young, or just, you know, kind of diving into their, their passion for the hotel and restaurant side of hospitality. Um, what would be like, what are hospitality traits? If you could use three to five words or maybe a sentence that describe hospitality traits, um, what would that be? Like, what would that be something that you say to someone that you're training uh, for a position at a restaurant or a hotel? I don't know that I would train, train them on it. I'm trying to find it that it is an eight in them and they don't even know they have it. So they're, okay. So um, I ask all these questions to tease all those things out. And the reason I had to come up with these questions is because, you know, I, you know, I'm, I may not have as many, to be honest with you, as many street smarts of people who grew up with a rougher life that could, you know, that were out on the streets and, you know, things like that. And so there's this thing called street smarts. And so I had to come up with a system to be able to, like, tease these things out to get a feeling for people. And so mm-hmm. what I'm looking for is basically behavioral-based traits that make that default to giving great service. And what that is is that they have a bend to taking care of other people. And that's really what you're looking for. So let me give you a, an example. I'll give you like my question that if this is not okay. answered, if this is not answered right, I will not hire them. Okay. One question. Now I've done a lot of soft pedaling. I consider this like a boxing match. I'm doing jab, 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 and this is my first right hook. I'm going for a knockout. And if this is not answered in a particular way, I will finish the interview, but they won't make it to a second interview and they won't get, and the person won't get hired. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. So I will, I will say this. I will say I have two hypothetical questions. Now I've already told you the purple cow that will follow this question up. Okay. But this one, first one would say, 
let's say you went to see the doctor and the doctor said you had six months to live. What would you do with the remaining time? Mm -hmm. That's, that's what I would say. What would you do with the remaining time? And I would wait for an answer. Now, I'm looking for a non-self-centered answer. If they tell me I would go skydiving, I would travel the world, I, you know, things that are self-centered, I would, I, would, I would automatically, and they, that's all they gave me, or they don't mention family at all or friends or spending time with family or friends, then they're, then they're not getting hired. Um, and, and so what happens, though, there is one, I will give one caveat on this. You have to grade this question on a curve. If I'm interviewing a 17-year-old, 16-year-old person to work in a support position, say host or server assistant or something like that, they may not have perspective in life to know that they need to spend time with family yet because they're still being taken care of by their parents. So I or do they're have... really out on their own and they don't have anybody supporting them at all. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So they don't have, have that, that piece there. Um, the, the most, the, the best answer I think I've ever gotten under the heat of the moment was from a J one student that was looking for a second job. And she mm -hmm. said, I would get a second opinion. I would get a second opinion. Wow. That's actually pretty clever. I that, actually never, that was clever. And she was, she, um, uh, and she was a great employee. We hired her. I mean, I was, I thought that wasn't like my prototypical answer that I was looking for because yeah. I'm looking for somebody to go. I, you know what? I would just like, I would just spend time with my family. I would, you know, um, I, you know, I'd like to travel. I'd, I'd like to go see some things I haven't done. I'd, I'd like to clear up some of the wrongs I've done and make yeah. things right. You know, I would, I really, it was like just them focusing on something else, right? Besides like, oh, I'm going to go skydive. I'm going to travel. And you know what? Sometimes I give people like this out. I will do this sometimes. As I say, the interview's gone really good up to that point. And they would say, uh, you know, I, and they kind of hem and haw, and they're like, ah, I'd like to travel, you know, and then I would let them answer. And then I would say, well, would you take anybody with you? Oh, yeah, of course. I'd take my, you know, my, you know, you know, my family and, you know, things like that, or the, however they yeah. would do that. But there has been interviews that I have been, asked that question and, you know, to a female, specifically asked it to a female. And she didn't bring up the fact that she had a husband or a daughter, right? And, wow. And so she was, you know, she, she was all self-centered, you know, and, and, and so when I got, so when I found out she was married, because she kept saying, when we moved here, when we moved here, when we moved here, and she was, you know, she was young enough where I couldn't tell if she like moved there with her family or if she was dating somebody, I couldn't, and I finally asked her, like, well, who'd you move here with? She goes, oh, my husband, and we have a daughter, and so then I followed that up with like this other question I, I asked when I find out somebody's married or dating somebody. Um, I asked them if like, if I could ask their husband or wife, um, if they could change one thing about them, um, what do you think they would tell me? Uh, mm -hmm. and uh, so, and she was, it was a very, another very self-centered answer. So that really, you know, underlined the fact that she didn't give, you know, the right, the correct answer in the, um, six months to live question. Gotcha. And, and so I'm looking for people that have that John Nash equilibrium that they're going to do what's best for the group or keep the group in mind at the same time where they're going to do the best for themselves at the same time. And so that way you have a team of people that like a lot of times in restaurants, servers will get really greedy and, and their the greed will take over and they want yeah. to like make the most money and, or when they make enough money, they don't want to be cut or 
they'll turn the lights up and turn the music off when they're ready to go home and you know all these different things because they're like they they, they don't really put the guests first and I, I love it when I hear servers talk to each other and they're like, hey, I know you're behind on covers and you want this table. And they're like, no, I don't think about those things. Go right ahead. It's your section. It's your table. Uh, you know, I'll, um, I'll just do some side work. If you need anything, let me know. I mean, that's, yeah. ama- that's amazing, right? Versus like going, yeah, I'm behind on covers and I'll take that table and, you know, and you should have like just known that I was going to take it. <laughs> so, you know, stuff like that. Exactly. So really interviewing for character, emotional intelligence and hospitality traits is just really finding someone that has heart can have a good poker face or a game face and really put everyone above themselves. Exactly. Exactly. I love it. I love it. I think it's the perfect way to look at it and really, you know, I, I'm a big numbers guy, data analytics and, you know, all this other kind of stuff and revenue. Um, and the one thing that we always forget, I think during like revenue meetings and just like our management meetings in general is, is these traits. We forget about the people, not only that we're checking in or we're, that we're serving at, at a restaurant or at a bar, um, but really just the, the people that we have working for our guests and working for us at the hotel or the restaurant. And so applying this, not just to interviews, but applying it to your everyday management style and life and, and work day, applying, you know, having a heart for your team and for the guests, being able to put on your game face and really putting everybody else before yourself. And so really, I think this is going to wrap up the episode. So Scott, um, I really just want to say thank you again for you know joining me on this uh, epic three episode journey we're going to have um, and really bringing a lot of knowledge and, and depth and heart yourself uh, to the podcast and to everyone listening. Um, anything that you want to say to finalize your end? Start with empathy. Start with empathy. Start with empathy with your team, with your employees, with uh, with your family, with your guests. Just start with empathy, you know, and that will help. The minute that you start raising your emotional intelligence and putting yourself in other people's shoes, the minute that they, the whole team will 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 buy into that leadership, and they will they will give everybody else around them the benefit of the doubt as well. It's amazing. I think it's the perfect way to end it. So. Thank you, Scott. Again, um, we will be, you know, obviously in touch and getting round two and three done. So thank you guys for listening. And I hope we brought a lot of value to what you want to do with your career and with those around you in the industry. Thank you again. Talk to you later, Scott. All right. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you. Hey, everybody. Thank you very much for listening to the newest episode on Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast. I was just joined with Scott Stanfield, a restaurant expert and a GM coach. Um, He just started his new business, or not new, it's been about four or five years that he's been doing the GM coach, Um, but still really exciting. And this guy, like you just heard in the interview, in 90 days, he went from dishwasher to front of house manager. So obviously, he knows what he's doing. So go ahead and check out the link in either the description below, or you can find Uh, More information on the episode on my website, slicktalkthepodcast.com forward slash podcast. You can find it in the menu drop down. The menu drop down will be there. You'll go to the podcast. You can listen to it. You can also see links um, to his website as well on mine. Check us out on social media. I'll be posting this on my Facebook. So I'm really excited to just really dive in this three-week, three-episode podcast series with Scott and all the exciting things that we're going to do 
and learn from him on just restaurant hospitality uh, overall. And so thank you guys again for tuning in. This is uh, another great series. Recently was joined um, with Adam Knight not too long ago, and we did our three-episode series on just hospitality. So series number two is on its way, and more special guest speakers to come soon and to be announced. uh, We'll make an announcement on either the next or final episode of the series. Thank you, guys, and we will talk to you soon. Thank you so much for listening. We love your support and want to provide the best we can to all our listeners. So please find us online, social media, and on Spotify, Apple Podcast, and Google Podcast. What's up, guys? Thanks again for tuning into Slick Talk. This is Joe from PBT. If you want to check out our music, feel free to search Perfect by Tomorrow on Spotify and iTunes and all other major music streaming platforms. We have a new album in the works. Hopefully it will be released in early June. Uh, We're excited to share new music with you guys. We've been working really hard at it. Uh, Thanks again for tuning in. What's up, everybody? If you've gotten this far into the episode of Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast, then you are amazing. And thank you so much for tuning in. We want to send you two places really quickly. If you can, check out the show notes and click the hospitality.fm link. Check out all of our other shows on the podcast network. And don't forget, if you have someone that you want to hear on the podcast, then fill out the guest fill out form so that way we can get them on the show. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy another episode of Slick Talk, the Hospitality Podcast.